Amen. All right. Whew. Now we've got to try to calm down to preach. I don't know how that's going to happen. I might say some crazy things today. <laughs> Come on. Hey, I am excited to be here with you this morning. You know, you guys are awesome for uh, coming out. I know whenever the weather gets a little dicey, you're like, oh, what's that going to do? You know, to everybody coming out. But you guys, man, you're the true warriors. You're brave this weather and you're out. And we're so thankful for that. And uh, listen, I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, last week, my wife and I, our family, we were under the weather, and Pastor Pierre stepped in at the last minute. Can we give it up for Pastor Pierre and just thank him? You're going to hear me talk about the goodness of God a lot, and that is because we get to experience the goodness of God, and it has just been a theme in my life over the last few years, just this reminder that God is so good. And last, you know, Friday, had a fever and trying to make a decision and going, oh, what do I do? And, you know, we're getting ready to go see the doctor and, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, you know, these sermons don't come together in five minutes, right? So I'm thinking, if, I, if we're going to make the call, we got to make the call. And then I'm dreading having to call one of these amazing staff pastors and go, hey, I know you got a lot on your plate. Can I add something huge onto your plate a little bit more? And, uh, and so I called Pastor Pierre, and I said, hey, man, listen, I'm under the weather. This is happening. And he said, you're never going to believe this, but earlier this week, God gave me a sermon, and I had no idea when I was going to be able to preach it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That is the goodness of God. Because there is this, there is this uh, pressure. I don't know what else to call it, this pressure. But, you know, you want to, with standing behind this pulpit, preaching the word of God, you want to hear from God. You don't want to just come up here and give this inspirational speech. You can get that at a TED Talk, right? So there is this pressure, like, God, what are you saying to me right now? And sometimes that can cause, like, writer's block, if you will, or whatever, and you're, you know, you're getting down to crunch time. And when God has already placed something in your heart and you're just able to, you know, let it go, I hope I'm not sharing too much, so Pastor Pierre, don't kill me for this. But he said, I had 18 minutes worth of stuff to say, and I preached for 50. <laughs> and you know why? Because it's all in here. It's all in here. This is stuff that God's already doing in his heart and in his life. And when you're excited and passionate about something, man, it's just going to pour right out. And I'm just thankful for Pastor Pierre and his heart and his willingness. And, uh, yeah, he's just, he's awesome. Hey, before we dive into the sermon today, um, I just want to go over some uh, family business. Um, I just hope you know that, that as your senior pastor, there are going to be times along the way where we might have to talk about something awkward. We might have to address something. We might have to, whatever. I just want you to know that I'm just going to do the best I can to handle things the way that I see fit and just be completely honest with you. And then we'll let the chips fall where they may, and then we can just address it going forward, all right? So, um, Pastor Raymond, some of you guys might have seen his post on Facebook. And so I know we... We announced over a month, maybe a month and a half ago, that, that he was going down to Alabama to take a youth pastorate, and um, a week before, while he was at, at Fine Arts, like a week before they were supposed to leave, he and Sadie both felt this check in their spirit, 
that they were not supposed to go down to Alabama. And so his plans have changed. He is still in the area, um, and he is still praying about where God wants to take him next, okay? So some of you in this room might go, well, let's just get him back and feel that, you know. He already feels like in his heart that his time here is done, okay? And that's not an offensive thing, right? That's not an offensive thing at all. God just changes our task, right? So he, we're still on the same team. We're still, you know, trying to accomplish the same thing. But God just says, hey, I'm just going to change your mission a little bit, and it's going to be in a new place. So if you see Pastor Raymond, you go, what are you doing here? Like, what happened? You know, that's what's happening. But this is what I'm going to ask. Will you pray for him and his family? Can you imagine the pressure that they are feeling right now going, oh, man, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Um, our board here is incredible, and, and we are still helping him and things like that. But he, they're just an incredible family, and we are still praying for God's will for their lives. And so I just want you to know that. I want you to know what's going on, and I just want to keep everything above board. If you have any questions for me, you can see me after, and I'll do the best I can to answer it. But I pretty much told you everything already. So uh, anyway, you can email Pastor Chuck, and he'll take care of that. But uh, he's bigger and more intimidating than I am. I intimidate no one. Um, anyway, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I love you guys. And I just, I'm just trying to lead this church the way that I lead my family. And there's a way we do business in our family. We just talk about things, you know, and I don't always have the right answer. Most of the time, you know, we're just saying, God, whatever you want to do, however you want to do this. So that's what we're going to do going forward. All right. So we're in our foundation series. We're actually in the second to last week of our foundation series. Week one, we had talked about Jesus being our good shepherd, our cornerstone that our life is built upon. Week two, we talked about the importance of the Word of God in our lives. And this isn't just a book that we bring on Sunday mornings or an app that we open up occasionally on our phones. This is, you know, the bread of life for us. This is more important than physical food for us. And then we talked about prayer in week three. Week four, we talked about worship being more than just a song. There is praise and worship, but it's also the way that we choose to live our lives Week five, we talked about community and how we are better together. And then as I talked about already, Pastor Pierre had filled in this last week talking about the light within us and Jesus is within us. And we, we're overcomers. We are conquerors through him. Amen. The battle is already won. We just have to walk in it. This week, what I want to talk about, week number six, is generosity. Generosity. Now, generosity, you might think like, all right, some, some of these other foundations, foundational things I can see, but like, why generosity? That seems like a tier two thing. Generosity is the heart of God, church. Generosity is the heart of God. We have what we have. We are who we are. The breath in our lungs is because of the goodness and the generosity of God. And if our heavenly Father is generous, how much more should we be generous? I want to read Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and, and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. 
Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you with everything that we are. And God, we give you the next few moments that we have. And I just pray, Lord, that, that there wouldn't be any distractions, maybe that we carried in from the week. Maybe there's a stressful situation that's just nagging us and we just can't get it out of our minds. Lord, I pray for a peace and a calm to come over our minds right now and that we would have the mind of Christ in this moment. Jesus, I pray that, that your word would go forth and it would be like seeds of truth that are planted in our hearts that would grow and flourish. God, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. The importance of generosity. I want to start out just by talking about the importance of generosity. Generosity in today's day and age is so countercultural to the world that we live in, right? We live in a world that teaches, go get yours. Go get yours. I used to work for a guy who would say, IGM, and that stood for, I got mine. IGM, I got mine. And we tend to live by this attitude, I got mine. I'm going to go and get whatever I need to get, however I need to get it. I have this checklist in my mind. I want the house. I want the car. I want the clothes. I want this. <clears throat> I want that. I want all these things. And that is the exact opposite of what generosity teaches us. Materialism is a big thing in our culture, right? It's a very big thing. We don't just have clothes to, to, you know, just be decent. Now it's like, oh, I got to have the most expensive of the expensive. We don't just have a car that gets us from point A to point B. We have heated steering wheels and cooled steering wheels and heated seats and leather and surround sound that's better in your car than in your home, right? Like think of these things that we pursue in our lives, and a lot of that is the exact opposite of what generosity teaches us, or at least the thought behind it, if we let those things, having those things isn't bad, I'm not trying to say that, but when that priority jumps generosity in our lives, that is when we have a problem. To be like God is to be generous. And as I was thinking these last couple weeks, preparing for this sermon, for this sermon I thought, you know what, generosity really at its core, is a trust issue. The generous people that I know in my life are not worried about where the next whatever is coming from because they have a trust in God, right? The Bible talks so plainly about this. You don't have to worry about your next meal or what tomorrow brings and things like that. Jesus was talking about, man, if my heavenly Father takes care of the birds, is he going to take care of you? Generosity becomes a trust issue. Your measure of generosity, the measure of generosity in your life can probably be measured by this. If you ask yourself this question, do I really trust God with my time, with my talent, and with my treasure? Is God the priority in your time, in your talent, and in your treasure? We don't have to worry when God is in control of these areas of our lives. 
we just read, if we trust him in all of our ways, he's going to make our paths straight, right? So today what I want to do is I want to dive into what it looks like to have God number one in our time, our talent, and our treasure. I want to read one more verse, though, before we get into that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34. Jesus says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If we seek first his kingdom, what he wants, his will, his righteousness, all these things in our minds that we're worried about, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? How's this going to work? He says, just seek me and I'll take care of those things. My first point this morning is just simply this, time. Time. Can you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter 10. As you're turning there, I just want to kind of talk very briefly about the value of this resource called time. I hear of more people who are, what we'll say, on their deathbed or, or towards the end of life, not wishing they had a nicer car, not wishing they had a nicer home. What are they usually talking about? I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time. Now, when we give our time to God, there are times where we're going to see this as an inconvenience. Have you ever had that happen? You're in a hurry, something's going on, and God is saying, I want you to stop and call this person. I want you to stop and text this person. I want you to talk to the person who is checking you out in the line at Target. God, I don't have time. I got to go get my son, and I got to this, and I got to and this, and that. I don't have time. There are interruptions, what we see as interruptions in our life, where God is speaking to us, and we see these as an inconvenience when we are trusting God with our time. There's a price when we say, God, I trust you with my time. But can I tell you this, just out of my own personal walk? There's been times where I've messed this up, and God will put someone or a situation or something on my heart, and I'll say, I should reach out to that person. I'll do it later. I'll get to it later. I don't have time right now. I'll get to it later. Just to find out that they were going through something and that text or that phone call or whatever it may be could have made a big, big difference. But I saw it as an inconvenience, really. Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verses 25 through 35. It says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But... He wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. 
So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave, him to the, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Many of you in this room, you are familiar with this story, the Good Samaritan. And a lot of you, you know the details. The first two guys are the ones that really should have helped, right? They're the ones that it made more sense. And yet a Samaritan, someone that was not supposed to help, someone who was supposed to be at odds with the man who was beat up, who's not supposed to like the man, was the one who stopped and did something about it. What I want to focus on here, though, is the time. It's easy to read that story and be like, oh, wow, yeah, that guy, he stopped and helped. That's cool. But the way I've read it in the past, it's almost like, oh, when you stop and help someone change a tire, 20 minutes, you're on your way. He took time out of his schedule. He was on a road. He was going somewhere. He had plans. He had an agenda. He had things to do. But when he saw someone in need, says in verse 34, he bandaged his wounds. That took time. Put the man on his own donkey. So now he is walking. That took time to get this man who was injured on the donkey. He is now walking next to his donkey, taking the man, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day. So now it's just not a 20-minute change the tire and you're on your way. This is taking another day. He pays the innkeeper, and then he says, when I return, implying that he is coming back to see how this guy is doing. When is the last time that you allowed God to inconvenience you the way that this man was inconvenienced. When was the last time? We are so busy, right? Look at your calendar. Think about what you have to do tomorrow. If yours is anything like mine, I have to... This is so sad. I figured out two weeks ago that I have to schedule free time. I have to schedule free time because if not, I'll put something there. So I have to start doing that in my calendar. Don't do anything for this two hours. Don't do anything. Isn't that sad? But isn't that the world that we live in? You have this and you have that. And then right after work, you got to take the kids to, to the, this practice and that practice. And don't forget, they got to play at least three instruments and they got to play, play three sports and this and this. We, go, 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 go. And not to mention, you got to put in overtime because you're saving up money for that next boat, that next house, that this, that. And God is saying, would you just listen to me? Would you just listen to me? If we laid it out like this, if you allow God to inconvenience your time, you can affect someone's eternity and their family's eternity, or you can have a new boat, what would you choose? I'll tell you what our actions say. I want to get to the place, and I'm not there, church. I wish I was, where I get this figured out. 
or at least a lot better than where I am now. Where I say, God, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. And if it involves an inconvenient, inconvenient situation, I want to be your guy. When I'm checking out at the gas station, if the, the lady that's whatever, ringing me up, if there's something that she needs prayer for, God, say that to me. If I have to be 15 minutes late for another meeting, that's okay. Because that prayer, that, that inconvenience changed her day. Then she goes to a church and can say, I, I don't know. You guys can figure out where that road leads. Time can be one of the hardest areas of our lives to allow God to be number one. Eventually, we're going to talk about money. And for some people, trusting God with money is a hard thing. Other people, they're like, I'll write the check. I don't care. Time, ugh, I don't really have that. I got a lot of zeros in my bank account, but when it comes to time, I don't have a lot. I feel like God is challenging us today to trust him, to be generous with him, with others, with our time. Point number two, talent. Talent. Now, when I talk about talent, I'm talking about giftings, ability, but not just that, your energy. What, where you put your energy, what, is, what it's going towards. It's been said your talent is God's gift to you. What you choose to do with it is your gift back to God. There's a lot of times in this crazy world that we praise people for a God-given talent. Think of LeBron James. How big is that dude? Right? He didn't earn that size. Now, I'm not trying to take, I know he practices and all that kind of stuff. Whatever. But if I was 6 foot 13 and 300 pounds, I bet I could dunk a basketball too. You know, like, but we're like, oh, he's amazing. That's God-given, you know? But what we choose to do with it, that's where worship comes into play. Everybody in this room has God-given abilities and talents. And sometimes we can be stingy with those. We can use them for our own benefit. We can use them to make ourselves more rich or buy that boat or buy that house or whatever. But then the church comes knocking and says, hey, we need you to do this. You're like, oh, I don't know if we could do that. It's like, well, you do it every day of the week. What do you mean you can't do that? Right? God's asking you to do something and you're like, oh, I don't know. It seems pretty hard. And then you'll do it for yourself. There are times that we're very stingy with our giftings and our ability, and we are not generous. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 say this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Can you do me a favor? Can you turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 35? 
I want to go over something that I, I, I miss this portion of Scripture until something that you read and you just kind of breeze right over, and then when you actually stop, you're like, wow, that's crazy. So I want to just look at this quick story about Moses and the situ- situation that he's going through with the Israelites and how they came to this place where they were just giving so much. Exodus chapter 35, we're going to start in verse 4. It says, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, from what you have take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. Okay, so he's talking about finances, things like that at this point. We're going to skip down to verse 10. Then he says, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything, to make everything the Lord has commanded. So what they're doing is God is, is asking them to do something. So he was saying, look, in order to accomplish this, we're going to need finances, and then we're going to need skilled laborers. Okay, now turn over to Exodus 36, 1 through 7. So Bezalel and Oholiab, I have no idea, I'm guessing, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. Listen to this. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. When has that ever been said? Stop giving. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because they already had was more than enough to do all the work. These people were so excited to work on the sanctuary that they just kept giving and giving, and giving, and giving, and they're saying, whoa, stop, we have too much. That was probably the last time that was ever said in the church. (laughs) You're giving too much, stop. That is a challenge for me. They're just, they believe so much in building the sanctuary, in being a part of what God is doing, they said, here's my giftings, my talents, and we're just going to give and give and give and give. Talk about a heart of generosity. Moses had to say, stop. You guys are giving too much. I missed that before. And when I read that this week, I went, wow. Do you know what I want to be able to say about Northville Christian? Stop! You guys are giving too much. You're giving, you're here too much, really. You're giving too much, really. I mean, we'll never say that. I'm not going to lie. We're never going to say that. But can you imagine? Moses had to tell them to stop because of what they were giving. I want Northville to be the kind of place where every time there's a call to serve, every time there's a need, not just financially, 
But when we say, hey, we need you here to work on this project or that project, or there's someone who is, I don't know, they need a, a deck repaired or whatever, that we get too many people. That when someone is sick and we're getting the meal train going, we say, stop, they have too much. Out of generosity. Because again, that is the heart of God. The last thing I want to talk about this morning is treasure. Can you turn to John chapter 6? Now, like I said before, when you're talking about treasure, things, money, whatever it may be, that's hard for some people to talk about or to hear. And why? It's because you work really hard. And you make sacrifices to make that money. So people get all sorts of swirly when you bring up money in church, right? They get weird about it. Here's the thing. It's not my idea. I just get to talk to you about it, right? But we need to come to the place where we are generous with whatever we have, whatever's in our hands, our treasure. John chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all, when they had all they had, one more time, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over, by those who had eaten them. Again, many of us in this room, we've heard this story before. Jesus tells us, where your treasure is, there your heart is, right? We've heard that. What I want to focus on, though, is we read that there are 5,000 men, so not including women, not including children, so there's a lot more than just 5,000 people there. And what do they do is they bring forward a boy with his lunch. I want to just think about that boy for a minute. And we've probably all had the thought of like, man, that's so awesome that he did that. It is. It's absolutely amazing. But in my, while well, I was thinking about it this week, in my mind what makes it even cooler is, do you think he was the only one there that happened to pack a lunch that day? Think about that. Over 5,000, thousands of people what if we tripled that number based on women and kids? I mean, could there have been 15,000 people? I don't know. 
And you're telling me one boy was the only one, or one boy's mother was the only one who said, hey, don't forget to pack a lunch? I would venture to say there were probably other people there that had a lunch or something with them. But the boy was willing to say, here's everything I got. Too many times, church, we do the math and we don't do our part. Stop doing the math. You know what the math is? Obedience is better than sacrifice. That's the math. That's the math. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Why? Because when we obey, God has our whole heart. When we sacrifice, he only has what we're willing to give him. I don't care if you sacrifice 90%. He still does not have all 100%. When you obey, he has your heart. Think about that, church. Some of us, it's hard for us to trust God with 10%. And we're working towards it. And I, That's awesome. Keep going. But God is saying, I'm asking for your whole heart. I'm asking for obedience. I'm asking you to do things that do not make sense in your head. Imagine the little boy when someone says, hey, Jesus is looking for some food to feed everybody. And the little boy going, it's not much, but you can have mine. I think it's amazing that it's a little boy because if it was an adult, we would struggle. Right? I'd do the math. I would already have that lunch hidden in my jacket, like making sure the paper bag wasn't crinkling so no one knew and I was, you know, eating my own lunch, making sure I'm covered. God isn't calling us to do the math. He is calling us to do our part. I don't ever want to get to the place where I'm standing before God in heaven. And he said, Ben, you gave me your time. You gave me what little talent I gave you. But what you weren't willing to trust me with was your bank account. What you weren't willing to trust me with was your resources. I had 90% of you. Man, that would crush me. I want to come to the place where maybe there's something that's happen, happening where we're saving up for something and God says, hey, I'm asking you to write a check to this person right now. Don't ask questions, just do it. And we do it. That's where I want to be. I want to trust God with my treasure as well. I'm going to invite the band up at this point. And before we go into the altar call, I just want to talk about something really quick. And I know I've already said it a couple times. But where this comes from and where this begins is the generosity of our Heavenly Father. That's where all of this begins. That's where the heart of generosity begins. And how do I know that? John 3.16. Probably the most quoted scripture in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. And that is hitting me different. That is hitting me different these days. 
on Thursday. We took our son, Everett, to the ER. He woke up at 4.30 and he was just in pain. And you guys know the hurt cry, right? And he is losing it. And we're doing everything he can. And I don't know if you know Everett, but he's just the happiest baby, right? He's just always a smile on his face. Like Peyton is a little ball of energy, right? And she's like, there's so much going on. She's wild and crazy and so much drama and emotion. And Everett's like, what's up? You know, like that's Everett. Lots of smiles. So to see my baby boy, to hear my baby boy losing it for hours, we took him to the ER. And we did, there was no relief in his little body until about 12.30 that afternoon. And just the hurt cry. And even in his sleep, he's crying and crying and crying. And in that moment, as I'm pacing the floor of the ER in downtown Flint, and I'm saying, God, heal my baby boy. I would do anything. God, if you could take that pain from him, if someone has to bear it, I'll bear it. Whatever it has to be. I'll do it. Please heal him. I don't understand. All you have to do is speak your word. Please just heal my son. Heal my son. And I felt like in that moment, I just had this realization that there was a moment in time where God the Father is watching his son take my sin to a cross. He gave his one and only son for you, for me, for the sins that we are going to commit so that we could be with him in paradise. He gave. That is a loving and generous God. There are so many scriptures it's mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible about giving and generosity. Over 2,000 times. More than prayer, God talks about generosity. And in our culture today, all we do is mine, mine, mine. We were talking to our realtor this week, and she was talking about how difficult that line of work can be and just how the business can just be you know, I don't know, dirty is the right word, but like where people are just doing slimy things for a paycheck, steal a deal right from out from underneath you, lie to a client and, and promise them the world, and then when they get to the table go, oh yeah, that rate didn't work out, this is the actual rate, and whatever it is. Like, but you've probably seen it in your line of work. Lying, cheating, stealing, pushing people down to step on their backs to climb the rungs of wherever you work and whatever you do, to get that manager position to whatever it is, for the almighty dollar, to feel better about ourselves. That is the opposite of generosity. May we be a people that says, Lord, whatever. My time, it's yours. My talent, it's yours. My treasure, it's yours. It's yours, it's yours, it's yours. That's who I want to be. And my prayer, church, is that is the church that we will be.
I want people to walk into this place and go, I don't understand. I don't understand. Everywhere else I go in this world, people are trying to get things from me. You are giving things to me. You are loving me. I feel love. I feel you're helping. What? I want people's minds to be blown when they walk into this place and they get to know Northville Christian because of generosity. Will you stand with me this morning, church? We are going to go into a time of, of response. Some might call it an altar call. But I believe that there are some in this room that God, the Holy Spirit, is tugging on your heart, saying what this man is saying is true, and I love you, and I gave my son for you. And you might be in this place, and you're like, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I was doing last night. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. Guess what? Me neither. If you're in this place and that is you, there's going to be a moment where we're going to have some amazing people up front to pray with you and to talk you through what it means to make God number one in your life. But I also believe that there are people in this room where God was putting his finger on your heart today in some area of generosity. And maybe he's saying to you, what I've always been afraid of hearing is, Ben, you gave me 90%. Maybe in your life, you're like, man, I've trusted God with a lot of things, not my money. I've trusted God with a lot of things, not my time. Trust him with a lot of things, but not my talent, my energy, my effort. Today, I hope that each and every one of us in this room can just catch God's vision for us and generosity which is the opposite of what this world preaches and practices. I want to be a generous person. I want to be generous the way that my heavenly Father is generous. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to close this in prayer. When I say amen, our prayer team is going to come up front. They're going to line the altars. But if you need to come up here and just do business with God, something happens when you leave that pew. Something happens. When there's a physical response, Something happens on the inside. So I want to encourage you, you can come down and pray by yourselves or you can come to one of these amazing couples and they can pray with you. Don't let this moment pass you by. God wants to do something in you today. He wants us to be generous, a generous people. Jesus, we love you and I am so grateful for the generosity of God that I do not deserve and that I have not earned. But I am grateful for the gift of salvation. I'm grateful for the generosity that you take care of my every want and need. That I don't have to worry about the worries of tomorrow, the cares of tomorrow. Because I know that my life is in your hands. God, I pray that we would all be a people who are generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. God, do something in us today. God, I pray that today would be a change. There would be a change not for today, not for tomorrow, but something would change in our hearts for the rest of our lives. And we'll be able to look back on that day, on this day and say, 
something was different. Something happened that day when I fully committed 100% to God. Jesus, we love you. We give you all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. to